Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome to 100 Romantic Ideas. Congratulations for making it here. I, I'm, I'm glad to see there's men and women here because I noticed earlier on today there are a lot of women who are going to send their husbands. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm just glad. I'm just glad that um, it's a good mix of people here. Just to kind of help, help us. Um, in terms of those who are who are here with your partner, can you just um, raise a hand so we can just kind of get a view? So that's most people. Okay, put your hands down. Those of you who are married but here without your partner today, can you, okay, if you could put your hands down. Okay, those of you who are not married at all but would like to be, could you put your hands up? <laughs> We've got four. Okay, if you four can meet at the end in that. <laughs> So let me introduce the, the team to you. I'm, I'm Mark Landersmith. This is my wife, Beverly, who you'll hear from in, in just a moment. And this is the Romance Academy that, um, that I asked to come along. It's funny, isn't it? When they ask you to do these things in January, you know, and they ask, oh, and could you, could you just kind of say something about what you're going to do? And I'm like, oh, uh, we'll have a Barry White soundtrack. There'll be a Romance Academy. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. And then, of course, you forget. <laughs> you forget what you said. And then you and then you look at the handbook, <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh, I said that. Oh, <laughs> oh, Bev, have you got any Barry White? Have you got any? Bar <laughs> oh, Romance Academy. Oh, and here it is. Here's the Romance Academy. So, <laughs> so let me introduce to you. So this is Luke and Emma and baby Lucy, who you'll be hearing from a bit later on, and Jeremy and Emma, who you'll also be hearing from a bit later on. So if you could, if you could. Uh, write down your really, really hard questions for them at the end because they're going to answer all the hard questions. Anything easy, just you know, ask me a bev. The difficult, challenging ones, let them know at the end. So what we're going to do is you'll hear from me, you'll hear from Beverly, you'll hear from each of these guys, you'll hear from me and Beverly again, and then we, um, uh, we, we will have a Q&A towards the end. So do you want to say anything? Okay, so I'm going to pass around this box, and I believe you've got two bits of card. They were either on your chair, or they're just at the end of the row at the back there. One of them is to ask a question at the Romance Academy, and the other one is to write down your most romantic idea. And I'm going to pass around this box. You're going to pop it in there for me. We're going to look at some of them as we go on. All right, so you've got a pen. You've got one minute, don't think too hard. Your most romantic idea. And for us, romantic means doing stuff that will make love grow. Doing stuff that makes love grow in your marriage. Write down your best idea for doing stuff that will make love grow. Hands up if you need a pen. Still got a few. Sorry, sorry.
whilst um whilst you're doing that just to just to let you know also that this is the kind of seminar that you can keep your phone on uh, providing you're doing one of two things you're you're broadcasting whatsapping facebooking how fantastic the seminar is or you're sending romantic messages to your lover or your partner you're allowed to do that okay that's the only person that you're allowed to get in touch with so you can text them anytime throughout the afternoon okay so whilst um whilst Beverly just collecting that So just um just in terms of a bit of the background as well to um to this 100 romantic ideas in case you were coming into our expectations this afternoon in case you were coming expecting that I was going to give you 100 romantic ideas yeah no that's <laughs> that's why Beverly's handing around the box okay so we're going to do this together if you want if you want to see my 100 romantic ideas you can go on my blog and uh, the my well, some of mine and some of Beverly's romantic ideas um, were written up in the last month in readiness for today. So, if you if you just want to look at that sometime and get some ideas, then you can do. There's some more over the back there. Great, some more cards to be handed in. So, in case you've just come in, these are either romantic ideas. We'd love to hear what's worked for you, um, or what you would like to work for you. And we'd love to hear any kind of difficult kind of questions or real kind of things because we're going to share some real kind of things as well. So when uh, so when we got the call in January, would you do a seminar, 100 Romantic Ideas? Of course, um, the first thing that Beverly says is that doesn't mean, Mark, 100 ways to have sex. That, that's the first thing she says. <laughs> For me, I said, well, the trouble is, if we say yes to this, you know what's going to happen. We, we're going to argue for eight months. <laughs> and uh, so I need to qualify that, because when I say arguing, I don't mean raising my voice or shouting and swearing or throwing things. I realize that for some people, that has the word argue has those kind of connotations. I think what I mean is having regular marital disagreements, which, to be honest, um, I think Beverly and I probably have every day about something or other. In fact, it got to the stage where I was saying to Bev, Bev, it'd just be much easier if I did this marry seminar on my own. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as you can tell, we're not coming to you, telling you how to do it. We'll be married for 33 years next week. <laughs> but to be honest with you, we're still learning, and in many ways, we still feel like we're on honeymoon or just back from honeymoon. Certainly feel like we're still just learning still, like, like the rest of us. And as you'll discover as the afternoon go on, I'm definitely, definitely still got my L plates on. And Beverly, as usual, is just still way ahead of me in all kinds of ways, uh, which you'll also discover as the afternoon comes on. So it's, um, it's normally good at, um, at a commission and New Frontiers event to start with something from the Bible, okay? So so here's what I think is a very inspiring first few verses from a book in the Bible that is a really good book in the Bible um, in terms of looking at romance, which, of course, is the Song of Solomon. And just to remind you, the first 
the first verses, the very first verse, the first words of the Song of Solomon are, let him kiss me. So that gives you a clue. I think that, that gives you a clue to the, to the passion of the book, the sensuality of the book, the eroticism of the book. Now, I have to be honest with you, uh, in preparation for today, obviously I've, I've, I've read the book, I've read several other books and commentaries on, on the book, the Song of Solomon. And, and some of the scholarly works I just find a little bit difficult. Um, so, for instance, one, uh, one, of the, one of the verses that you'll be familiar with because you will have read the Song of Solomon to each other often is, um, that's one of my romantic ideas, by the way, <laughs> is, uh, is, is when she says, I put, I put olives between my breasts. <laughs> okay, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. <laughs> okay. Some of you have already got another romantic idea. <laughs> I can see you guys writing that one down. <laughs> and in more, this is honestly true, and in more than one of the scholars that I read, it literally says this. This is referring to the Old and the New Testament and how we should be equally passionate about the Old and the New Testament and how we should grasp both the Old and the New <laughs> Testament. Let me just be honest with you. I do not think that's what it means. <laughs> I think it means what it means. <laughs> and it means what it says. And that's good news. Because, because what I want to encourage you in right now is that this is a God of passion. This is a God of sensuality. This is a God who wants you to be turned on and wants you to turn each other on and so turn with me to one or two of the other books uh verses in um song of solomon i'll just find my bible so i'm just going to read you a bit of song of solomon so just relax and let this wash over you Song of Solomon chapter 7 if you want to read it or if you want to look at it on your phone or you just want to listen to me read it to you this is in the Bible this is helps us when we're thinking about romance thinking about our relationships thinking about how you might romance someone that you like or you'd like to marry this is all part of our romance chapter 7 of Song of Solomon how Beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of a craftsman's hands. Your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are the pools of Heshbon by the gate of Bath-Rabim. Your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon, looking towards Damascus. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like royal tapestry. The king is held captive by its tresses. How beautiful you are and how pleasing. Oh, love with your delights. 
Your stature is like that of the palm, and your breasts like clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like the clusters of the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples, and your mouth like the best wine. So romantic idea number three is use romantic language. When you're speaking to each other, this is a, these are lovers who are writing beautiful poetry to each other. Now, I'm not suggesting that you say, uh, darling, your nose is like a concrete tower. <laughs> this is a poetry, and and uh, and for the time, and for Solomon, and and the woman, the Shunammite woman that he was deeply in love with, he's using poetic language, and they're using poetic language to to draw each other, to woo each other, to entice each other. Wasn't it fabulous last night hearing the confetti word about God's wooing of us again? It's great for us to be reminded that that this is a God who who woos us, he, he draws us with his love, and. And therefore, when we read books like Song of Songs, here we are. It's not only a picture, perhaps, of, of God wooing us. You can use it as Christ and his church, but I prefer to see it as it's, as it's written. It's about lovers and the anticipation of love and the anticipation of the consummation of that love as well. So in terms of another romantic idea, and you, you might want to, if you haven't read the book together, I do recommend that you read the book together or you can read it out loud to each other, chapter by chapter, or just read a bit of it together and, and talk about it and ask yourself and ask yourself, what, what, is that, what does that mean? So, so when it says in the book, and it's in the Bible, she says to him, and I will open up for you. What does that mean? Now, if certain scholars will be able to tell you all sorts of clever things about that. I, I read that and I think, I think I know what that means. I'm, it's, I think I know what that means. But talk about it together. Read the Song of Solomon together. Don't take my word for it. Read it together and over each other and then talk about it and see what happens. So in terms of a romantic idea, that's just one of the, one of the many that we're going to give you this afternoon in terms of using the Song of Solomon in your relationship, using the Song of Solomon, how you communicate. Because what's important, I say this to the guys, what's important, guys, is that is you're not just not just being attracted to the body, but you're being attracted to and drawing the mind and the emotions in the way that you communicate. It's not just about communicating physically. Solomon here isn't just communicating physically. What's he doing first? He's communicating verbally. He's, he's addressing her and her physical appearance. He's making her feel good. He's expressing how much he desires her. He's not going straight for the hands. He's going for the eyes and the heart and the mind first. So, Beth. Phoebe, have you got ten for me to read out there? It's my amazing daughter, Phoebe Gubb, <laughs> just <laughs> administrating for me. Quickly run down the front, because I'm going to read them out. Okay, we've just picked 10. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for contributing to the 101 
romantic ideas of this afternoon. Those of you who are late to arrive, welcome. I've spread them out at the back there, so on your way out, you can have a little look, maybe just pick up a couple. We'll give them a try. Okay, a weekend away without the children and no work, <laughs> including not checking up on emails from the elders. As soon as you've had your weekend away, book the next one. Here we go. It's very romantic. You ready? An evening spent on the canals of Venice. <laughs> the most romantic city in the world. I could just picture the gondola now. The muscles. <laughs> okay. Text otherwise known as, oh no, I won't say that word. Um, texts to your wife, yes. I love you so much and I can't wait to see you tonight. It's a good one, isn't it? Stop texting all those business ones and those little information ones. Think of your wife, the husband. Tell him, tell her, I love you so much and I can't wait to see you tonight. Next one, ready? Foot massage after a long day. Who's a bit feet phobic? Oh, only one person. Good. Oh, someone else. When your feet, when you've been on your feet all day, how lovely. Come home, sit up, put your feet up. Next one. Oh, a husband giving up his idea of a fun holiday to go on his wife's idea of a fun holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Organize a fishing trip for your husband. Yeah? Good one. Or maybe his favorite thing, I don't know, go to a football match, buy the tickets in secret, and, and just do that for him. Just let him have a day doing his favorite things. Oh, okay. Another one ready? Candlelit dinner, I imagine that's at home, but of course it could be out, with 20, that's a lot, random questions to each other to help you get to know each other better. Yeah? Then, putting on your favourite track and dancing together in your own little living room. We love doing that. <laughs> we love dancing around the kitchen, don't we, Mark? And the living room. Okay, I've got one more for you to make a note of. Going for a fancy dinner, probably near the seaside, and then lying on the grass and stargazing at night. That's very romantic, isn't it? Excellent. Okay, so there's your ten romantic ideas. Do you want to do ten of your own now, Mark, before I just share? Okay, I'm going to carry on. Uh, Mark mentioned we've been married 33 years this week. We got married at the Coin Church in Woking, where I grew up. So I had a lovely church family around me uh, to, to um, organize that, and it was absolutely wonderful. It was the best day of my life. I was, I was quite young, but I loved Jesus, 
And I met Mark and I just thought, he is amazing because he is so holy. He just is amazing. He loves Jesus so much. I want to be with him. Um, and my expectations of marriage were pretty much probably what a lot of you can identify with. Um, he loved God. He wanted to come to church and love church, and I did too, and I felt that was good. That was one of my priorities. But I was thinking about family life and homemaking. Yeah? Oh, I'm going to have lots of kids. Make my house beautiful. So this is going to be awesome. Okay? I'm not sure that's what he was thinking. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, we started our married life, and um, Mark's working hard for the church within a few months of us getting married. I married a leisure services officer, and within a year, I was a pastor's wife. But that was okay, but it was a little bit of a process to go through. Um, but then I realized that actually marriage is, um, is a team on a mission, a team on a mission. We were called to be together for a purpose. We both loved God, and we wanted to see people saved, added, discipled, mature, serving God, and that was an exciting revelation in our first year of really getting to know each other deeply, um, um, and that was just a, a, a wonderful revelation. So, number three, having children, busy family life, okay, the stresses start to come a bit, the honeymoon period is over, have a little bit of uh, falling out, you know. I think probably I had to learn a bit of self-control. And one of the ways God taught this to me was living in community. When we had two small children, um, age one and three, we moved in with an amazing godly family who had three children, aged naught, two and four. So the five kids and four adults, we lived together for three years. And it was an amazing experience. And one of the best things it taught me about my marriage was because I was on show such a lot. If Mark did something and I wanted to have a little, yeah? They're listening, they're watching. We won't say anything. Talk about that later. Just I must remember that. Yes, I'm going to have a little word about that. But self-control, yeah? By which time I come to address it a bit later when there's just the two of us, it's not such a big issue. It's not, it's um, that thing that you did earlier. Can we just talk about that? Yeah? So that was a really good lesson in self-control for me. Then we did a marriage course. I remember doing uh, the Nikki and Sila Lee marriage course. Who's done that? Great course. A great course. If you haven't done it, I rec thoroughly recommend it. And you can do it more than once, and each time God will just show you something new about your marriage to work on. And honestly, this changed our marriage completely when I learned how to um, listen to Mark without interrupting, without uh, justifying myself, without saying, that's not true. Yeah, just that, okay, just listen, just listen, we'll talk about that later, listen, and was there anything else you want to say, honey, about that? Okay, right, um, yes, I probably did that wrong, yes, dear, yes, I probably messed up my yes, yeah. Was there anything else you'd like to say about that, darling? Yeah, so listening, really purposefully listening, um, and listening some more was a really great thing to learn from the marriage course. And then, final thing on that, the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit is amazing and very powerful. And when we come to an end of our resources, he is still there. 
and he's working and he's so gracious and so loving and so accepting. So when we're like really struggling with something that we've discovered about either our partner or ourselves, but mostly ourselves, just going to Jesus, just asking for the Holy Spirit to help us understand, to help us be calm, to help us invest in our marriage, to think positive and creatively about where our marriage is going. And he just changes us. He changes us from the inside when we surrender to him. Praise God. A couple more things. Being content. Remember the day Mark said to me, will you never be content? Here's my heart. I was like, am I not content? Yeah, I've got a great lovely house and kids and surely I'm content. But obviously what I was communicating was I'd like this and I'd like that. And can we do this? And can we do that? So just it made me just examine myself and say, am I content? And get to that place of contentment and sort out my stuff, basically. Sort out my stuff. Listen to my husband. Sort out my stuff with Jesus. Um, finally, Mark and I, 30 years, we are in the empty nester stage. <laughs> They've all left home now. Yeah. So the good and the hard. The really good, good thing is obviously we've got lots of space and space in the car when we go away and we can just be together whenever we want. We can have sex in the middle of the day. There's nobody in the house. It's just great. But there's hard stuff as well. Okay, I miss my kids. They're super good fun. I love having them around, yeah? And what else is hard? Um, <laughs> just used up the think of the mental list. Right, um, hard things are prioritizing quality time when all I can think about is the things I want to do, places I want to go, people I want to see, books I want to read, things I want to watch, yeah? Because I've got a lot of time I can just plan my own schedule. So obviously thinking about the other person, their needs, quality time, making sure that happens, romantic dinners, dates, and those difficult conversations, yeah? Just touch on that. The hard things are having the courage to start that conversation. Because it's easy just to have fun, do life together, blah, 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 chat, 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 fun, fun, fun. Oh, hello. That hurt a bit. Okay. Have I got the courage to start that conversation? Have I got the courage? I believe that's the word for us today, the courage. Have you got the courage to say something really difficult to your partner about your marriage. As I just want to give testimony to that's the times when my marriage has been awesome. We've talked about the tough stuff. We've been open. We've been vulnerable. We've said sorry. Our relationship has gone deeper and therefore stronger. Okay. I think that's all. I'm going to pass back to Mark. Thank you, babe. So just a tip when you're talking about the difficult things, don't, I would say, don't, don't start by saying you. you. You do this and you do that and you, 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 you. No, say I. Bring it back to that. I, I feel or when that happens, this is how I feel. Because then you're expressing how you feel and it draws your partner into the conversation and it's much less confrontational you're taking responsibility for your feelings and that just kind of dials it down a little bit 
So what we're going to do now, we're going to um, include the Romance Academy. So uh, what we're I'm going to do just a couple of minutes is talk about, like Beverly, the challenges and joys of being empty nesters. And then you're going to hear from Jeremy and Emma in terms of the challenges and joys of when you've got older children. And then you'll hear from Luke and Emma and Lucy about the challenges and joys of, of starting out and having a baby. So for me, as Beverly said, the, the joys of being empty nester is having uh, time together, uh, more time together. Uh, as Beverly said, when, you, when you're going out together, you don't have to think half an hour before in order to get all the children in the car with their shoes and coats and toileted and everything that you normally have to think of, that you can just decide. And you can be in the car in five minutes and off you go somewhere. And that's just a, a revelation, really, because for a long time, it took us a very long time to get out of the house. So to have that sense of spontaneity as empty nesters is, is really great. You're just a little bit more kind of nimble, and we really, really enjoy going two things together, whereas for years and years and years I was going somewhere or Beverly was going somewhere, one of us was looking after the children to, to be able to go two things together, to go to church meetings together, to go and see people together is, is a great, great blessing. I think for me, um, probably the challenge at this stage of life, to be honest, is the menopause. It's called the menopause because it's men, no pause. <laughs> that's what it's called. <laughs> and so that's been a bit of a challenge, to be honest. Okay, so, I mean, in fact, I've, I've read three books now on the menopause. Beverly's getting worried about me because, <laughs> because I, I really wanted to understand this thing kind of physiologically, emotionally, mentally, what, what she was going through and try and sympathize. This is a massive, massive thing. So how does this work so that that's that's a kind of journey for us really because i've learned that one of the things that happens in the menopause is that the libido can begin to to drop and so for men that can be challenging sometimes for for women and for the wives it can be challenging as well and why don't i feel that what i've felt before oh, why why don't you you know why wasn't it it used to be like you know we used to so those but it's important to talk about those things but we're also discovering that there are other creative ways that you can express your intimacy, which we may or may not come on to later. So the joys are, for me, the, the time being together and, and, and simple things like we didn't really have time to pray together in the morning because you're getting the children ready for school and you've just got so much to do in the morning to get them up and get them breakfasted and get them dressed, get the homework done, you've got the, lunch, lunch, the packed lunches to do, everybody's got the homework, got the books, what's happening today? And then off you go, and the day's begun. But, but for us now, we, we will literally begin the day. You know, we'll have the, the cup. I take Beverly, uh, a cup of tea in bed. We'll, we'll sit. We're able to read the scriptures together. We pray for each other. We pray for the family. We pray for the church. We pray for West Point. And I can honestly say that's a great, great delight and one of the great, great pleasures of being empty nesters. So in terms of the phase before that, Jeremy and Emma, come and join us. Hi, um, I'm Emma, this is Jeremy, as Mark said. Uh, we've been married 21 years, so we're a little bit older than we look. <laughs> and um, we have children who are nearly 13 and nearly 11 next month. So they're just, uh, they're so we're sort of like in the middle stages. So we had 10 years um, before we had children. So uh, we both worked. We had a different position where I wanted to work. And that's, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to work. And then I wanted kids, and then Jeremy didn't want kids. And then I wanted kids, and then he didn't want kids. And then we were traveling on holiday one day, and we just looked at each other and said, 
shall we just start? And I was like, yeah, let's just start. Let's have a family. We got to that point where we've been together 10 years. We just thought we just need to get on with it now because we both wanted children. So that's sort of the context of um, our marriage. And so I'm just going to share also a couple of things which are great at our stage and also some things which are hard. So because we've been married 20 years, actually we know each other really well. We know what each other loves and what each other doesn't really like. Um, so, and also the things that we've worked on together, the things that God has put on our heart right from the beginning when we were married, we've actually developed those about having people in our home, which definitely stems and is encouraged by our parents, which my parents, which are here. And I just want to acknowledge them for them actually what, the, what your parents set in you, you carry on. So I know whatever I set now in my family life, my children will carry on. And that is really key um, for me. And we know that that's what um, our children will do. And some, not necessarily the way that we do it, but the way that they will do it. So I want to put heritage in my children through the things that we do and say. So um, definitely a sense of we know each other's values and what we're really aiming for. Um, we don't work for the church. Jeremy's a full-time um, he works at Vodafone full-time, which I'm sure he'll say. Um, and also, I'm, I'm a full-time mum, but also trying to set up my own business as well. So that's a great opportunity now that because I have more time, my kids able to walk to school and back on their own, actually, I'm able to think about myself and what I'd like in my business and how I want that to look. But then I'm also juggling being a mum and being a wife and working, um, work trying to set up my own business and doing stuff for the church where I feel like I'm juggling many balls, which is, a, which is one of the challenges. Um, but it does have new possibilities for us. So for me, I feel like I'm in a new stage and I just like, <gasps> I'm over the very, very young stage, so which is exciting for me. So um, the couple of difficult points is I think we've, um, our faith walk together has always been interesting for us. We've always talked about it and maybe disagreed and going, well, how do we walk together in our church life, in our faith life, in our God life? How do we do this together? And it's been something we discuss and we discuss. And sometimes we feel like we're on the same page and then sometimes we feel like our paths take a different turn and then we come back together again. But we're, that's something that we're working on and we will still work on. And sometimes it's painful Sometimes we let go. Sometimes we have to battle through it. That is definitely something that, for us, we have to work on. And um, building our, and as our kids are now early teens, actually having to build, what does our life with our children in early teens really look like? And how do we develop their faith but allow them to make choices? Um, and in communication, I think, obviously, communication is so key, and especially for us, it's really important for me. And um, we, when we tend to communicate, we always talk about our kids first. So we get through all the kids' stuff, the kids doing this, and we need to do this and that and this and that. And we end up being able to be very quick at being able to communicate what our kids need and what, um, what is next for them. But we lack sometimes in actually just sitting down and saying, this is what's going on with us. And actually, sometimes we're trying to have work out how to communicate that again. Because now we have space. You have to learn again how to communicate. And I feel that's sort of the place that we're in at the moment. Thank you, Emma. So, yeah, a few good things for me. I think with the age the kids are at now, it feels a little bit different. So the kids are now able to do things with us in a way they weren't able to do before. So, you know, whether that is going on bike rides, whether that is playing board games, I think one of the secrets for us is to be able to find the joy in those moments, uh, you know, with the family, uh, and to be able to do that together. 
and actually you can be building your relationship together whilst enjoying the children at the stage they're at uh, as well. Uh, so that is, you know, as they moved into those teenage years, there are a whole bunch of extra things that open up, you know, going to the theatre, you know, taking those moments that maybe you weren't able to do when they were a lot smaller that you can now start to do. But it probably is more often doing those things as a family than necessarily going out there and just doing that as a pair, as a, as a couple together, um, although it is important to be doing that as a couple together as well. I think I'm feeling at the moment that there's a, a slight change of focus as well as they come into their teens. Uh, so starting to think ahead. Uh, I, I've always been one who thinks ahead in this way. And right from the moment the children were born, I was thinking, okay, how many, what proportion of their life through living with us at home are they at? Enjoying it, but also thinking, oh no, it will come to an end. But, but at some point that will happen. Uh, and actually you know, now 13 and 11, starting to think, actually, what does our marriage look like in you know, probably no more than 10 years' time where they are not at home with us anymore? Or, you know, some people say it's not 10 years' time, Jeremy. 20, it's probably the right number now. Uh, but whatever that is, that's becoming more real, that they are starting to do things without us. And this is the first West Point where they're both camping in separate tents to us. You know, there's a, th there's a, there's a, a gap opening up there that previously where they were the, not the absolute centre, but you know, very central to what we were doing, that has started to shift, you know what I mean? And it's really looking at it and saying, actually, how do we readjust that balance? Because we don't want to be left you know, in that 10 years' time or five years' time and thinking, actually, do you know what? It's been all about them and, and not about us, and our relationship isn't able to stand that test of time. So... That's that's in my mind, and you know some of those opportunities are open up. As Emma said, you know, as far as other changes in life, where Emma was previously, you know, very focused on that kind of the full time mum, and that that is changing, as Emma has said as well. So you know, different stages of life there. What are the biggest challenges? For me, it's very much about the the change in, and at every stage of life you think this, I think, but the squeezing of time. Uh, so you know, what I mean. We were very uh, blessed with our children when they were young, and for a long time, you know, they would be bed in bed for half seven, and really they would be in bed for half seven, and that would be it. You know what I mean? Now, uh, on a good day, that's quarter to nine. Um, you know what I mean? And you know, when they go to scouts and picking up scouts, that's ten o'clock. You know what I mean? So probably a couple of times a week already, and and I can see that's just going to keep getting later, um, and and that's a challenge, and that feels to me when I'm. Uh, out at work, come home, you know, homework, playing with the kids, doing that. By the time it gets to nine o'clock, it's difficult to have a decent conversation. Uh, particularly, late night conversations don't necessarily work for us. Uh, Emma gets more tired. Um, that's not a good time for us to have a conversation. So that is difficult during, particularly during the week, uh, to do that. Uh, so that's one of the challenges. Uh, the kids are being up. You've got the pressures of work, the pressures of church. Um, one of the ways that, that we deal with that is, you know, we do ha we have a, a paper diary, not electric diary, but we, uh, we look at that and we say, actually, I'm quite hard about saying, we need to just not do these things. And actually, I saw some of the questions earlier. One of the questions was, is it okay not to go to a prayer meeting, uh, you know, when you haven't seen each other during the week? My, my view is yes, and we do that, you know what I mean? And, and other things as well, we will say, actually, I need to free up some space, and I'll say to Emma, Diaries filled up without me realizing it. We'll look a couple of weeks ahead, and I, I'll have in my mind, 
work's going to be very busy at this time. I know I will be pretty intense, and we need to create some space because otherwise it won't happen. And we literally put things back out the diary and have to say sorry to people. Uh, but that would be my hint about managing that. But that, for me, is the biggest pressure. Uh, and that creates a pressure in our having those conversations as well. Um, other things, I would say, in terms of one other pressure. Uh, so Emma has more time to think than me during the day. Uh, she is very busy, but also she has more time to reflect on things. I find that difficult to get that time to reflect. That means when we are having those conversations, and Emma says, you know, what do you think about, about this? I'm thinking, uh, to be honest, I haven't thought about anything other than work literally all day, you know, and then these other things. That's a challenge, and actually we're still working through that. How do I know, you know, how do I get a moment to be able to reflect on those things so that I've got an opinion and it's not just what I've thought in, that in the moment uh, and trying to find that space? A couple of other hints. Um, I talked about scouts before. I think one of the things that we have found is finding the moments, and the moments look a bit different to previously. So with scouts, fortunately both of our kids are in the same scout troop on the same evening, so we'll often go into town for a quick bite to eat together. So we will use that, you know, that hour and a half, you know what I mean? It's not a long evening like we would have had previously, but it's, let's get in there and that gives us time to talk. That's something that Emma's initiated, which is great. Uh, the kids love watching TV. Saturday morning TV is a great time to spend a bit of time together because uh, we know that they will stay downstairs, uh, <laughs> which is very good for us. Uh, on that note, putting a lock on the bedroom door, that would be one of my hints. Uh, 3.99 on Amazon, you can have it, <laughs> you can have it delivered, <laughs> have it delivered on Monday. Anybody want a lock? <laughs> a lock? <laughs> Come and see me afterwards. Seriously, that, that's quite import important. And I think the one other thing, we've had lodgers, we've had people staying with us, no, Phoebe's husband Joe stayed with us. I found it difficult at times to say to them, look, we're going to go and have some time alone in our bedroom. You know what I mean? I find that difficult with lodgers, but it's something that we've needed to do at times and you need to keep doing because actually that's going to be the only way we get some space as our children become teenagers and are staying up till half 10, 11, you know what I mean? Whatever that is, you're going to need to find that way to be able to do that without thinking, everybody knows what I'm doing in the bedroom. Um, so being able to take those moments and to build that, that would be my other hint uh, for us. I think I'm passing over to Luke and probably Emma when she's finished there. Hello everyone. My name's Luke, as you know, and this is Emma and a hopefully placated Lucy. Um, We planned that I would start, and then uh, Lucy fell asleep in my arms. Um, so we're in the little leagues compared to these guys. We've been married uh, five weeks, sorry, five years this week. <laughs> <laughs> five really little leagues. Five years. <laughs> Re she grows really fast. Um, and we, we had lovely Lucy uh, nine months ago, so we are just getting used to um, changing our lifestyle again and have gone from the joy of having four years where we just had all of our time together um, Luke and I first met when we were 11 and we grew up together, we were best friends and started dating um, when we were 19, got married in our early 20s and um, yeah, so just had the joy of having so much time together, getting to know each other so well. We could just spend, you know, every evening in each other's company and go for long walks and go out for long meals. That was one of our favorite things to do, favorite date night, go out for a long meal together. Um, whereas now that 
that has all changed. Um, and and <laughs> Lucy's laughing. Um, and yeah, we just have had to get used to this new normal. Um, and we've really loved it because actually it's incredible getting to do something like children together, getting to input into this new person. And um, yeah, it's just been absolutely incredible. Um, and we've both got some challenges and um, yeah, I'm grateful for that, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think the the challenges, you know, are probably are probably obvious when you when you have a young child or young children, um, and just just energy and um, you know having kind of constraints on where you're able to go, for how long you're able to go there, whether you're able to be on time, uh, who you think is responsible for getting you there on time, <laughs> who is actually responsible for you being there on time or not. Um, and so those, you know, those things, managing those challenges is, is really, we found, you know, uh, just about, about having grace for each other and having patience and um, never playing the who's more tired game, um, never playing the whose day's been more difficult game <laughs> because they're, they're, they're not fun. Uh, and, uh, and I think in, um, in a lot of ways, you know, we've, we've found that those challenges are the, are the, um, are the things that have also you're dealing with those challenges have also been been great sources of joy in in different ways and uh so things like um you know just just getting stuck in together on things and um not being um not being afraid to to just go well this is going to be a bit rubbish but we're just going to do it together and and that's okay you know even though we're going to end up sitting in the car for 40 minutes in the rain while the baby sleeps actually in some ways those have been the most kind of romantic moments and we've just sort of taken them as they are and you know rolled with the punches and and we've had, you know, some of our best conversations when we're both just a bit exhausted, and but we've sort of done it all together, and and we're both sort of in this, you know, great fun, messy ride together. Um, so that's Speak to us in three days, as West Point might be one of those experiences as well. <laughs> yes, thus far, thus far, the all all of the above holds true for the last twenty four hours. Um, those are some of the challenges. Um, so one thing, I mean, Luke and I as I said, have known each other so long, but I found actually having a baby and, um, you know, really you go from not a very attractive moment in your life when you're in the middle of labor. Actually, that was the moment where I felt the most supported and loved and admired and felt like Luke had been the most in awe of me um, that I've ever felt in our whole relationship. And um, and it's been so much fun to, to kind of get to know each other as a father or mother. And um, one of the things that we love doing together just playing with Lucy together because it's so easy at the end of the day you know when Luke gets home for me to just thrust Lucy at him um, and you know go five minutes where I'm not being tugged on or pulled or having my hair pulled out or you know trying to wipe food off me um, and actually get to spend that time together with Lucy rather than just doing our own things with <laughs> our own things with Lucy um, so that's been really great um, and what are some of our other things we, um, Luke, generally, in our relationship, is the one who gets more tired, unlike you and Jeremy. And, um, and so I think, actually, he was really, really worried about the season and worried he would never, ever get enough sleep and thought that, actually, having a baby would just be a nightmare for him for the first couple of years because he really struggles on not much sleep. But, um, but actually, I think it's made me go to bed earlier, which has helped him. And, um, and yeah, we've just had to completely adjust adjust our sleeping patterns and get up when she gets up and go to bed quite early, uh, which has been quite fun as well. Um, I think the only other thing that I'd say is, you know, 
particularly because we're quite young and most of our friends are quite young and don't have kids and particularly our um, friends who maybe, you know, really kids really aren't on the horizon anytime soon. And, you know, they sort of, they sort of, um, it's easy to, to get into that mindset of like, oh, well, you know, kids means you, you can't do all the stuff you did and you sort of, you're tired and you're kind of a less good version of yourself and, and you know, just kids as this sort of, everything about you just kind of gets slightly worse almost. Whereas we found that, you know, actually in, in really embracing it, you know, it's, it's less um, about us being sort of tired versions of ourselves and more like, you know, I get to, I get to, um, you know, my wife has this whole kind of new aspect of her femininity and she's doing this, you know, thing that she was like designed to do and really taking on motherhood, you know, in this amazing way. And, and I have this kind of, you know, opportunity and responsibility to like be a dad and, you know, I'm, I'm even in our kind of wider family, I'm not just the kind of the, the hanger on who was kind of the last one to sort of marry in, you know, suddenly it's like, like, you know, you will love this little girl. Well, she's half me. So, uh, you know, this is my lineage that you guys love now. <laughs> you get a kind of, um, you know, it's, it's just sort of, it, it's such a weighty sort of thing. And you get to do that together, um, which, you know, by comparison to, to feeling like you've managed to have enough exercise or, or you know, whatever it might be that, that other people look at and go, that's you being sort of constrained. You know, we've just found that such a joy um, a and such a, such a, yeah, privilege as well. We've actually had the opportunity to run four, uh, three marriage prep courses in the last few years. And so in addition to doing one ourselves, that's four marriage prep courses that we've done since, uh, since just before getting married. Um, and actually, that has been one of the most romantic moments for us because at the same time that the couples are having their discussions and talking about what marriage is going to be like, we, we both look back at what we said before, which is really funny sometimes. So if you did a marriage prep course, look back at some of your answers because it's hilarious to look back. Um, but also get to re-talk about that. And so, um, like Bev was saying earlier, if you haven't done the marriage course, or even if you have done it, do it again, because every time it brings up something new. Um, and that's been a really, really great part of our relationship. Um, and in terms of, very quickly, some romantic ideas, um, we, particularly at the moment, are loving going for walks together. We like, we'll fit in a date night or drinks out um, and just adjust the time. So at the moment, Lucy goes to bed at seven. So we'll go out for drinks at 5.30, and there's not many people in the pubs or bars at 5.30, so you can get the exact seat that you want, you know, the really nice one by the window or whatever it is that you like. Um, and, yeah, we try to really make an effort for those, make it a bit of an experience and dress up and, you know, get out of whatever clothes we've been wearing all day. And um, that just makes you kind of make a bit more of an effort, you know, or it does for me. Once I made a bit of an effort with my appearance, I make a bit more effort with what I'm saying as well, um, and gives us that opportunity to talk about some of those conversations that you put off for later. Thank you. Thank you, Luke, Emma, and Lucy. Brilliant. In a minute, we're going to just do the second part of the participation this afternoon. So um, just before we do that, I'm just going to give you some of my romantic ideas. Would you like those? Okay, this is a good one. <laughs> um, I love it. Mark and I are very privileged that we get to go to a lot of weddings um, because, of course, Mark's a pastor. <laughs> um, and I love dressing up. So it's really nice when we both get to dress up and I get to choose what tie he wears or what jacket. <laughs> That's really nice. <laughs> and so our latest thing to do is because other people's weddings sometimes aren't very exciting, but we're standing around... <laughs> standing around a lot looking nice we've decided to <laughs> we've decided to secretly make love with our eyes 
through the day. You know, that sort of thing. It's fun. Um, <laughs> another one, this is obviously one of my favourites, clearing and cleaning up the kitchen together. How romantic is that? Love that. It's one of Mark's favourites. Okay, Mark's a member of the gym. He loves to take me to the gym on a Sunday night, get me the guest pass and sit in the jacuzzi. There's usually nobody there on a Sunday night. That's nice. Nice romantic idea. Um, one of the things that I really like is handmade things. I like making little things for people, and I really love it when people make things for me. And Mark's not a big present buyer, so early on in our marriage, we decided that actually it didn't have to be big or expensive, but it did have to be personal. So Mark got very good at cutting letters out of the newspaper and making silly poems and rhymes. And you know what? It made me cry because he'd spent the time being creative which is really my love language, but not really his. So that was the one of the really romantic things that Mark does for me. Um, finally, maybe a bit like one of the ideas earlier, um, I've learned to watch football. Yeah, I've got three boys who love football. My husband is mad on it. I've watched a lot of football. I don't really like football. But I've learned to sit in the same room, to ask intelligent questions about who's playing. Yeah. I've learned a few players, don't ask me now. And um, I can also second screen, a bit of Pinterest. Um, but I'm in like the same room and we're talking, I'm making a cup of tea, so it's a date night, but he's watching football, so he's in his really happy place. And I'm really happy when he's in his happy place. So that's my little ideas. And now we're gonna move on to um, your little circus there, Luke. Okay, just deep breath, everybody. If your partner's here with you, I'd just like you to look at them, look them in the eye. Shh, no laughing. Serious moment, this. I just want you to spend a couple of minutes telling them and listening to them what you really like them to do for you and what you really like to do for them. Shh, no giggling. Very serious moment. Those things that make you feel most loved.
thank you guys. Thank you for participating with great commitment and enthusiasm. That was a really good thing to do. Okay, we're moving towards the end of this seminar. We're going to finish with Q&A. We've got some questions, but there will be an opportunity to raise your hand and ask something to the Academy. Um, just a little interlude now. I'm going to share with you one part of um, the marriage course, which looks at the five love languages. Have you put, put your hand up if you've heard of the five love languages? Well done, well done. Now, I'll just run through quickly then, because obviously most of you have heard about it. I brought some lovely props with me today, as you can see. First love language, gifts, gifts. We all love to give and receive gifts. Quality time together takes a bit of creative thinking, doesn't it? A bit of diary planning, a bit of schedule reorganizing. Quality time. Service, works of service, cleaning up, washing up, all that stuff. Affirmation, you're great, you're great. Telling the other person how great they are. Physical affection, physical affection. Nice little cuddle on the sofa. So, here we go. These things are ways of expressing love, and all of us give and receive love using all of those in a different measure. So we would maybe give in one way particularly more than the others and receive in one way more than the others. But it's not that you don't do the others, it's just that one of them is probably your primary way of giving and receiving love. And the trick or the clever thing about the love languages um, Theology, what's the word? The love language is um, lesson. Philosophy, that's the word I was looking for. The philosophy of love languages is to work out the way in which your partner receives love, which isn't necessarily the way you want to give it, and choose with your will and all your might to give love in that way. Because they will receive love like you wouldn't believe. And you'll be thinking, I don't feel like I'm loving them by doing that. But you, you'll be amazed at how loved they feel when you choose with your mind to do that. Because your heart is telling you to do something else. Your, your heart is leading you to love them in the way you like to receive love. Yeah? So if you want to take two minutes, if you haven't done this before, and you want to take two minutes to think, hmm, which one is my top, which way do I actually receive love most? Gifts, quality time, works of service, words of affirmation, physical affection. Maybe you want to rate yourself, the one that you receive love most, and then the others in, in the order after that. And there's a beautiful book here, Gary Chapman. I believe it's in the bookshop. If you want to learn more about it, there's a whole psychology of love languages, and it will really bless your marriage. Okay, I think we're going to finish... Couple more things. We're going to finish with the Romance Academy, but first of all, Mark's going to speak for a few more minutes. So I'll give you an example of that an hour, an hour mismatch of um, love languages. Okay, so two weeks ago, Beverly um, uh, was in Scotland 
on uh, on the holidays. She wanted to go to Edinburgh Festival. Da -da -da. She comes back after five days. Um, I really missed her. Pick her up from the airport. She looks sumptuous. She smells delicious. She rushes over to me, skips, smiles, embraces me. She presses her breasts against my chest and her hips towards mine. And on the way home from the airport, I'm very much looking forward to getting home. <laughs> sure enough, uh, 20 minutes later, we are cleaning the fridge together. I get a bit cross when I see things on the television you know, when people say, oh, no, we just weren't compatible. You know, we just didn't, didn't have anything in common anymore. I mean, if, 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 if you were to do the kind of Myers-Briggs thing on myself and Beverly, you know, there's we're mostly different. You know, that's, that's partly why you're attracted to each other, because you make each other whole, because you're different. And so it's not a case of saying, well, no, Beverly just, you know, we're just not alike. We're just not interested in the same things, you know. I love it when Beverly sits on the sofa and watches football with me. She loves it when I sit on the sofa and watch Pole Dark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I got no inclination to watch at all. In fact, it annoys me a lot. <laughs> I think people make such stupid decisions. Why do they make such stupid choices in their life? As I chunter away at Pole Dark. But Beverly just likes it because I'm sitting next to her. Yeah, that's a different kind of love language, isn't it? Okay, so now we're going to ask you to do a difficult thing. It's going to be worth it, even though this is a moment of, <coughs> this might sting a bit, okay? So if, you're, if your partner is here with you, in just a moment, I want, to, I want you to have a moment of real honesty now, and I want you to have an opportunity to answer this question. What are you finding the most difficult in your marriage, in your relationship, now okay that's that's the tough question i want you to be honest about this is a safe place what are you finding most difficult about your relationship now if you if you haven't got your partner with you then please will you write it down on your card make sure you put kisses at the bottom and love hearts around it as well okay a couple of minutes on that no this will be difficult go
Okay, well done. You can carry on that, that conversation later. I'm going to read one more short thing, and then we're going to ask the Romance Academy about some of the questions that, that you've asked, and if there's time, there might be one or two other kind of questions from the floor. So in terms of Song of Songs, the next chapter, verse 8, if you've got it on your phone, you've got a Bible, you might want to read this with me. I just want to read you um, a couple of verses before I finish, and it says this. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. Is jealousy unyielding as the grave, it burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. One of my, um, one of my heroes is, uh, is a little known preacher called Benjamin Warfield. Benjamin Warfield was a fantastic orator. He was a really, really good preacher. And uh, he married his childhood sweetheart called Annie. And they went on a honeymoon together. And on the second day of their honeymoon, she was struck by lightning and paralyzed. And he cared for her for 30 four years. Because of her disability, he was never able to go far. He, he never left her for more than two hours in all of those years, even though he was a great preacher. And some people even said to him, you know, why don't you put her in a home? You know, you're such a great preacher. You could go to London. You could preach around America. People want to hear you. Why are you doing this? Why do you never go further than a walk back home? And he would always say this, I made a promise. I made a promise. And so in reading that scripture and in terms of what we've talked about in terms of romance, we are very well aware, and there might even be people in this room for whom the thought of physical intimacy or the kind of things that we've been talking about because of what happens to our bodies or illness or or death, this is a this is a real thing. But brothers and sisters, we've we've made a covenant promise to each other. We've we've promised till death us do part in sickness and in health. So we've got a few questions here for the for the Romance Academy. Thank you for those of you who've um who've written in. I'm just going to read some of them out and we'll just kind of see where where we get to. Question number one. What is the secret to a long-lasting marriage? So, Beverly, can you answer that one? Quality time. Emma, here's one for you. Question. How, and please, will you stand up so that people can see you when you answer the question, okay? So how to keep romance alive in your marriage? Okay, I think be creative um, and think of the other person before yourself. I think that is really good to think about what they would like 
actually as you give what they would like, actually you get real pleasure from that. Uh, Jeremy, this is for you. Um, you've, you answered this question in part. I'd like you to elaborate on it. If you haven't had much time together in the week, should you stay in together instead of going to a prayer meeting? Is that acceptable? So I did answer this a bit. So, yeah, I mean, I from a time perspective, the, the importance of marriage and family will come before those. That's before other things that I need to do, and that includes going to a church meeting. Uh, in that respect, that doesn't mean it it is instead of your relationship with God, but you know, going along to another meeting, I would definitely prioritise time with Emma over that, and we do that. Um, it's a good thing to do. Yeah, I would say that um, one of the most godly things that some of you could do this afternoon is um, make love. One of the most godly things you can do later on when the showers are empty is go and have a shower together. <laughs> most of you have completely lost it now, haven't you? You can't think about anything else. <laughs> Emma, for you, what is your top tip for staying close as a couple through the messiness of the early years of childhood bearing. Um, okay, we're quite early on um, in that, in the child bearing years. Um, but we, um, yeah, definitely quality time is a really key thing. Um, but also we try to touch each other as much as possible, tell each other we love each other as much as possible. Um, we are constantly close and holding hands and doing things together. Um, I think those are the key things for us. Okay, uh, last two questions. Uh, so the last one for you, Luke, is how often should we be having sex together in a week? Not sure if I saw that question in the box before <laughs> you had it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this depends on life stage very much. Uh, and I think should is probably the wrong word. Um, but I think... <laughs> this isn't me trying to think of a number, by the way. I'm just thinking about... <laughs> probably, uh, <laughs> uh, I think as long as neither of you feel that uh, the reason you are not having sex is because of insecurity or frustration or lack of communication, then where whatever number you land with is probably about right. <laughs> and that you shouldn't feel compelled for it to be a consistent number either. And that, you know, some, you mentioned the middle of the day, Lucy's naps are not very regular yet, so predicting this kind of thing is tricky. <laughs> uh, nobody wrote in that question, by the way. I just was interested in what Luke would say. It's <laughs> <laughs> good, though. He had a better answer than me. Yeah. <laughs> I would just say twice as much as you are now.
Okay, so lots of people put questions in the box, so we've read out a few of those. Was there any others that you're burning to ask? Yes, we have one over there. Um, I can't take this with me. You'll just have to shout very loud. Uh, stand up, yeah. Ideas that do not cost anything. Okay. I've um, taken this one from my parents, actually. Is uh, cook some jacket potatoes and take it with you onto a hill and have dinner on a hill. Uh, one of the things we did, because we do think that having a weekend away together is a real priority. Um, uh, every year we try to do that as, as a couple each year, at least one weekend away together. And when the children were little and it was just difficult and it was expensive, use the, test car, the Tesco's club card points. Uh, we found those invaluable. Save up all year until you've got enough for your weekend break. And even when we didn't have that, we would, we would find someone's, or ask someone who's going away uh, for their, their vacant house. And so we, we would just go to their house. So we just together, it didn't cost much. All it was was, it was driving there, really. So, yeah. Any other kind of uh, questions? the academy oh there's one right at the back you might have to help me with this one Phoebe. yes can you stand up nice and loudly yeah i didn't hear any of that at all actually <laughs> So when you disagree, um, oh, I want to answer it. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, I can probably count uh, a little bit more than on one hand where I have a serious ones where we haven't been able to agree on a decision. Um, ser serious ones. So things that really affect either our family life or our house or something about a job or a move. Um, some those types of things. So I definitely think discuss, 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 give tons of space and discuss again. Um, but actually, there is something that's really important to actually let, for me, to let Jeremy decide. And um, there is sometimes I've had to go, you decide. And that's our decision that we've made as a, as a marriage, in a marriage, that, um, that I let Jeremy decide sometimes. And, it, and as we have only had, you know, five, six opportunities, it's... Not like I have to keep doing that all the time. Actually, we're pretty much on the same page. The I guess the point of that is, in the vast majority of those occasions, not not those kind of few ones there, but in essence, we compromise. So we do talk. You know what I mean? And you've got to assume the other person wants the best from from you and for you and and vice versa. And we are able to come to a a joint decision. You know what I mean? But through that communication, uh, but yeah, we kind of are both able to give and take in that respect. Also, um, just praying and asking God to take away that strong, selfish desire. Yeah, because often we just want our own way and we want to persuade the other person or convince them. We really think that our way is best. So I think if you can humbly come before God and lay down your will, somehow it comes back to you, you know? Later on, you're like, wow, I've really felt God help me in that because I've laid down my will. And he loves that. If we submit to him and he looks after us, often in the fullness of time, comes back to bless us. 
last question before we go. I might be able to reach you. That's a great question. How do you deal with difficult in-laws? Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really great, that's a really great question. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not very well qualified to answer this question. One, because um, my mother-in-law is the same age as me. She's my step-mother-in-law, in case you're wondering how, how that works. And my father-in-law is just fabulous. He lives in New Zealand. That's probably why he's fabulous. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to ask Gillian. Um, so we do have some family um, form for this. <coughs> we, we do have some family form for this without breaking any confidences. Um, uh, we have had some extreme difficulties with in-laws. And the thing that happened was that the woman, because uh, I... I don't want to give away too much. But the woman who was finding her mother-in-law very, very difficult and very critical and uh, very interfering actually um, decided that she would not answer back. So she didn't do any answering back, prayed about it a lot. They prayed about it as a couple. And in the end, when the behavior of the mother-in-law got really, really severely bad, uh, the husband stepped up and said to his mother, this is it. I can't have contact with you until things improve. And in fact, that was something that they had to stick to, not permanently. Um, so they kept praying about it and they kept the, they, um, the woman sent photos of the grandchildren to the mother-in-law. So she didn't cut her off from everything. But um, after a while, the mother-in-law realized how seriously how serious her behavior had affected the family and then asked for forgiveness, which was something which that woman had not done um, previously. Um, so it's not still not easy um, and it, go it goes up and down, but um, I definitely think that the husband has to, you know, the person who's, who's, whose parents it is has to take the side of their partner, not the side of their parents, and the partner must be forgiving of the parents. They must, they can't expect everybody to uh, act perfectly. So you must be, you must make allowances, even if that person seems to be unreasonable. You have to act, you have to go above and beyond what would be expected of you in order to maintain that relationship. Because at the end of the day, you risk losing your partner if, you are th if you're the one being horrible to their parents. Great answer, especially being set up by me like that. It was brilliant. Um, I want to thank you ever so much for coming this afternoon, and I'm sure you, like me, would like to thank our Romance Academy. Um, we are aware that um, we might have touched on some sensitive things this afternoon. Please don't go if you're feeling a bit sore. If you want to come and talk to one of us or you want to talk to one of your friends or you want to talk to somebody in your church family, I just feel a bit vulnerable about what happened to me this afternoon. The most important thing, however, is that you talk together. If you're feeling vulnerable, 
you something was touched on you didn't have time please before you the day is out if you get an opportunity to to talk together please do that otherwise we'll be around to um, pray with you afterwards there's some a couple of books that you might like to think about um, for those of us in a certain stage the second half of marriage which is um, Beverly and I found really helpful got some great questions at the end of each chapter um, I wanted to get this one because I just thought the title was great how to kiss you can get that one in the bookshop. And my personal favourite, Sex, Romance and the Glory of God by C.J. Mahaney. That's in addition to the marriage course, of course, which um, most of you, I think, will have done. If you want to know more about the marriage course, we've got some marriage course practitioners here that you can ask about. We've also got some enrichment marriage weekend away practitioners here. Where are they? Over there. So if you want to find out more about what happens on a marriage enrichment weekend, we can really recommend that as we can the marriage course so you can ask these couples about those two things let me pray for you and then we'll go father god we thank you that you are love you are holy and you are full of love and i thank you for these dear people your children each of them who've come this afternoon given up 90 minutes of their time because they care about themselves they care about their partner or they're looking for a partner you know each individual marriage each individual circumstance each single person here and i pray lord we pray for each person here to know your touch upon their lives right now to know your blessing to know your love right now an infusion of your love into their heart right now that single or married they would know your love for them I pray your blessing, Lord, upon each marriage. I pray your blessing upon each family represented here. I pray your blessing on each single person who's waiting here, that they would know your comfort, your nearness, your peace, and your leading. So we want to thank you so much for our time together, Lord, and ask that you'll be with us the rest of this weekend in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you to our steward on the door. Two stewards on the door. Thank you. Thank you for Phoebe at the back.